is it. This is episode 287 of No Laugh Track Podcast. I'm Justin Severson, the host. Circle of Heat, let us play the music uh, there at the beginning, as always. Uh, how do I say this? I've been doing this podcast for almost, oh, actually it is six years now. It's March. Six years. There have been certain guests that I've been fans of for, a fan of for a long time, and I'm like, if there was a wish list of, you know... If I could get these guys or this person on, it would be the greatest. The Sklar brothers are with me today. You fit into that list. Oh, Thank you yes, so Justin. much. Thank uh, you, buddy. The first time I had Jimmy Pardo on, oh, I was yeah. out I of my mind, that. excited. He's yep. amazing. Uh, He's amazing. Did he, give, did, you, did he give you a ton of shit? Oh, yeah. And a nickname? Did he call you Chuck? (laughs) What's up, Justy? What's up, Justy boy? Justy, give me these things over here. This guy. This guy. There's been several others, but uh, this was a big thrill. uh, As soon as I got the confirmation that you guys were going to do the podcast, I immediately, this is going to be just for the three of us. Oh, okay. I immediately texted our mutual friend, Jim Weber, in Chicago and said, Weber! Sklar's are doing the show. He then t- texted us and said, you guys, are, you're doing my friend's podcast. And we said, I can't wait. And isn't this the beauty of having this club here in town is that you get great people coming through. We, Randy and I are sit, we're, so we're recording this on the stage at Acme, yeah. which is for us the, the first place we ever headlined. Nick's, thanks to Nick Swartzen. In 99, Nick Swartzen said, I'm going to. I'm taking you guys with me. You guys me. should come with me, and I want to introduce you to Louis Lee, the club owner. This is back when Louis Lee was 14 years old. And he was Mexican. <laughs> he was Mexican he at the time. He was not Asian. He converted to Asianism. Asianism. Uh, and he... <laughs> no, so he... <laughs> is that an ism? It's, it's some kind of an It's ism. an ideology. Uh, it's only a way of thinking. And so he... Look, it's not a... Yeah, it's not biological. So he had it's a, a choice. And, and Nick came out here and very generously uh, co-headlined with it. He didn't have to. I he, think Nick was... Booked a headline, and then he told Lewis, "Hey, we're going to switch off just so you can see that these guys can headline." Which was so generous of him. So he did forty, we did forty, and then we switched to different nights. And it, first of all, it was so fun to do a weekend with Swordlow. It was just amazing. But then to be on the stage and experience this room, which other than the amazing new chairs that are here, <laughs> has, hasn't changed. It's like this stone downstairs basement where the laughs kind of bounce around the ceilings, ceilings low. It's like... The if, curtain color has changed. It okay. green. used to be green. It used to be green. Correct. And now it's red. Yep. And when it was green, so we came back And there was times. no carpeting on the stage back in the day. Hmm. There was no carpeting. On was, the stage. I think there was. Right? I don't know if there was. Well, all I know is that Jim Weber, our mutual friend, used to manage bands here in, uh, in Minneapolis. Yeah, was, he managed yes. a band ca- called Detroit, which was a hilarious, yes. awesome band here. Man and Planet was another great one. And but Detroit and Man Planet used uh, pyro in their acts. This is like pre Great White burning down yes. the club yes, and everything. Pre tragedy. So. And so we said to Weber, we used to do an old bit called the Straight Man Cabaret. That was our closing bit in the show where we were like, "What if you know gay men have cabaret and it's considered art form?" When straight men do lip syncing, it's just gay, right? So, so that was that was the premise of the bit. But we wanted to do the first ever Straight Man Cabaret, and so we air guitared, air keyboard. Uh, the solos and the ending of Ario Speedwagon's role with the changes and Weber's like I can get you guys pyro and so we here did inside of Acme he, I didn't know this Weber was hiding behind this curtain with a rigged up thing of pyro and as soon as we hit that final drum air drum beat on the, we he released pyro like a blast in the front row and it, I think it scared the shit out of like the front three rows I, of people. I can guarantee it. <laughs> and then the crowd like because it's Minneapolis and it's a rock and roll town the crowd like erupted in. It was so much fun but the fact that we did that here is just beyond. And that Lewis was like yeah you can do that. So we've had many great moments on this I'm stage. looking up right now th- seeing what is flammable. <laughs> yeah probably all of it. All of it. Yeah. The curtain, curtain certainly everything. was. We <laughs> were flammable and we were just like yeah that's I mean it, that's back we were what in a our great early 30s and we what a like, great that was not the last day of the green curtain no, no it no, survived no. our okay. pyro but it, it was the pyro. i mean it was so fun and this was the club that we came to this was really the only club we were headlining because as soon as we started coming here and we were thinking about going on the road more we got cheap seats yeah a tv show we did on espn classic and that brought us to new york every month for a week so we kind of didn't we kind of didn't want to be away again another week so sure. we would just come back here every couple of years this was it where did you meet Nick? Did you meet him in New, New York? York. Yeah. I met him in New York. Like he came there right around the we time. We met him at Aspen. We heard, oh, there's this really funny kid from Minnesota. Like that's when people were just like, there's this kid. He's really funny. It was like he doesn't have a ton of material, but like he was so funny. This is young, young, young Swartz. Nicholas. 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 He might have been, been twenty. 
Yeah, he was so young. And then we met him at – then I remember hanging with him at Catch a Rising Star in New York and in that booth up there on the top. And he was so funny and so fun to hang out with. And we immediately were like, this dude's like our brother in comedy. Yeah. And, and we just became friends. And, and then he brought us here, thankfully, and showed us this beautiful place. I will say he's one person that has not done this podcast that we'll is on that list. We'll get him to do it. Yeah, I know. Well, we'll get him to do it. Damn we'll it. Him Mr. Do it. Big Shot. No, All I right. know. Someday he will. I'm he sure. Will. He, he will. will. I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, so last night I was here at the show. Fantastic. Thank I'm you. thankful that I got a seat. It was sold out. Sold out on a Thursday night. And I think we're close. I mean, I know the early shows are sold out, but there's still a few tickets in the late show tonight. Uh, maybe about 60, but that could change by the time we get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're hoping to sell that out, and then the Late Show tomorrow night has just a handful of tickets. Dude, that, that to us is amazing. We would love nothing more than this room when it's completely full. is just the magical. Best. It's, it's magical. awesome. Yes. And la- uh, you're working with some good, really funny guys. Oh, I know you've worked with Nate before, Abshire. Yeah, whenever we come here, the last few times we've had him feature for us because we just love him. and His style fits ours really well. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's not afraid to get edgy. Yeah, our crap. MC too is fantastic. Yeah, Robert's really good. Robert's a great dude, and and you know what I love is like we came backstage and we of course pitched Robert a couple of you know tags on his stuff, and he's like, I'm going to try it tomorrow night. I'm going to try it, and of course Nate too. Like we were writing stuff with Nate yesterday, and when we got in, some of that stuff about Minneapolis. Well, really, there's a bit that we've had that we've that we have not been able to crack, and so we were just talking it out with him. It's this bit. It was born out of this thing when we were in Buffalo, New York, and we saw a really drunk dude on the on a street corner. And then we turned looking the corner, for, a, and he looked like he wanted to fight, fight somebody. We turned the corner and saw on another corner another shirtless guy who was drunk looking to fight somebody. We're like, how do we get these guys together? You know, like we don't want them to go home and then exert violence on an innocent person, a spouse or kids or something like that. We need to hook these two guys up. We need to invent fight Tinder, <laughs> which would just be so much fun. And so like that to us is a concept. We're like, All right, we got to work this thing fight out. Fight Tinder. What, what's up with fight Tinder? So we're like, look, you know, how would these people contact each other? Like maybe, you know, you got, he's got a profile picture where he's in a fight in his profile picture and that's upsetting to someone. It's like, look, look he's still in the fight. You got to finish the fight, fight that, that you're, you're in before you start going out and looking for other fights. No one night. I'm sick of the one night beat ups. No more one night beat ups. I I want someone to commit to a long term feud with me. A long term feud. I want to find someone who's a good match. I want all their dislikes to match with mine. Look, you dislike Jews. You dislike women voting. You you dislike people taking away your guns. You dislike all your dislikes match up. Completely match up. Let's get into a fight here. Let's do this. Let's commit. Long term battle. I mean, I hope that someday, God willing, we'll both get into a fight with our kids. Be able to fight our kids. Be able to fight our kids. The kids we make together. Yes. If you're looking for a fight, swipe right. That's it. <laughs> fight Tinder. All so, right. So there's something in that bit. But yeah. we were, so we were backstage kicking all these little thoughts around with uh, Abshire. And that's like that's one of the other ways that you know that a club is good and that a, that a comedy scene in a city is good. When your features, when you want to write with your features for your stuff. You Instead help. of ignore them? Yes. <laughs> you want to write We're on very... their stuff. You want to work on their stuff because you like what they're doing and you want to pitch them tags and then you want them to help you on yours. And then, you know, we talk about this all the time. If you're on stage and you're battling the crowd on any level or you're struggling just to keep them focused on it, then you don't have the bandwidth to write new stuff on the fly. You're you're just in sort of crisis like, mode. Okay, what's the next bit and where can I move something earlier that might be able to get them back? And you're, you're just thinking of the room as a place. Crisis, to. you're doing damage control. But if you're really doing well and the crowd's laughing, it affords you like extra seconds to even think of extra tags. You write on moment. stage. And so with, this is a club where you can write on stage. Yeah, where you come out of the weekend where like maybe we added a couple minutes to our stuff mm-hmm. just by being in this room. Nice. I how many al- you recorded an album here? At least we did. One? Our first album was recorded here in 2001 or 2. Yeah, it three. was released in 2003. Uh called Pop in the Hood. Oh, Pop in the Hood. One of that my was, favorites. I mean, so early. It was basically all of our material that we developed in the 90s and then finally put it down on an album. Our second album we recorded at uh the UCB Theater in on Franklin in LA uh, with the Special Thing Records and we um, 
that was all in one night, just two shows, and it was the night that my second daughter was born because she, my, we, we thought she was going to be born three weeks later. That's why we scheduled it just on the timing of it all. Went to the hot, went to the doctor earlier that day, and he's like, "Your wife's got to go to the hospital now. We got to get this baby out." So it turned out she didn't come until the next morning. But I was doing the show on stage, thinking completely about, distracted, completely distracted about that. But it's okay. That was a really fun album that we did. Our third one we did was Henderson's and Daughters, which we recorded in Denver at the Comedy Works downtown, which I think is comparable to this club. I've heard that, yeah. It's just amazing. Henderson! Henderson! (laughs) And then the fourth album we did was uh, in Madison, Wisconsin, at the Majestic Theater with our, uh, that we did for our special. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What are we talking about? Yeah, and then we have a new special coming out. Um, We have two, it's crazy because we kind of have two albums. Two albums coming out this year. Yeah, describe. So we have a- How is that happening? I don't know, it's crazy. We had a a special we shot last February, uh, was supposed to go on CISO and premiere in September, but then- CISO uh, folded. Yes, it did. That's just the good luck of the Sklar brothers. Uh, Everything we touch folds. I gave them money. I did my part. I did too. I supported it. I thought it was so exciting that they were supporting cool comedy. So, I mean, I love Stanhope special. I love Posehn special. I love Fahim Anwar special. Sashir Zameda special. All those people had great specials there. We were really excited to be in the slate, and then they folded. So then they were looking for a new place to to send the special. We don't know exactly where it's going to end up. Right now, it looks like, at the very least, it would be on stars available on Stars app and Stars like dot com, and they're sort of they're online and on demand, so you can watch it on Stars in May. That that's that's the very least, and so that's the special from last year. And there would be an album that would accompany that. Oh, and okay. then, good. And then we also are just did this uh, audio documentary that's coming out on April 5th. For comedy lovers, this is like, I think it's one of the best things we've ever done. And I think it's the thing that's closest to our hearts. For a year, uh, we did this for Audible. We went to 10 different cities and we did an audio documentary. Whenever we go to a new city to do stand-up or a city to do stand-up, uh, we give ourselves a challenge. When the plane lands on Thursday, we're like, can we write? 10 minutes of material about this city, up to 10. Love that. What are they going through? What are they dealing with right now? What's it like to be in that city right now? What's What's the restaurant you have to go to? What's the weird thing that they all are known for but are embarrassed about? What is the personality of the people? What is the general attitude about the town nearby? Like all that stuff, talk to people, develop material about it, and then put it in the top of our act. And it's just a fun challenge that we've kind of given ourselves for years, and we thought that would be really interesting. You know, the challenge is Plane Lands Thursday can you come up with 10 by Saturday and the audio, you know, doc, the, the, the recorder goes on the second you land. And so it's, it traces three really documentaries in one. What's it like to be comedians at our level to come into town and headline with all the stuff that's in our lives, our families back at home and all that stuff. What's number two? What's it like to be in these ten cities right now? Yeah, like, two- how have the weed laws changed Denver in the la- for the good or the bad in the last years? Have like has gay culture been priced out of San Francisco? I mean, because of tech, like, what, and what do people in San Francisco think about that? Like, we used to go to San Francisco and we had friends after college in '94 who lived there who worked part time at a coffee shop or a bookstore like and lived in the hate. And you're like, you can't do that anymore. Okay, yeah. So what are they dealing with right now and can we pick that apart and have some fun with that? And then the last thing was what, for comedy lovers, it's what is the evolution comedy? of a joke? How does something go from an observation in the moment to a funny thought to, to a joke to then a bit that we could do on stage and then you get to hear it on stage. So each chapter is about 30 to 45 minutes. Each chapter is a city. And at the end, you kind of hear the seven or eight minute biggest oh, chunk of the okay. stand up. So you watch it being developed, listen to it being developed all weekend, and then boom. What was really cool is the producer that we had on the, a couple things that emerged, okay? So our producer on the thing was our friend who we love so much, uh, Scott Rogowski, who is the host of HQ. I don't know if you've ever HQ played trivia. HQ, HQ trivia on your phone. Oh, okay. So he's the host of the show. And he, in the course of the year, blew up. Like he's humongous now. I mean, he's like. He's huge. He's beyond huge. He's done Good Morning America. He's done talk shows. He's like, he's the biggest thing ever in this online app thing. And he was our producer. He was our producer, writing jokes. With Perfect this, writing timing. Comedy, and it was just so fun to be on the road with him. The other thing is the very first weekend we did was the weekend after the election in San Diego. So they were scared. Mm-hmm. We were scared. We were- Pissed. We were pissed because <laughs> our guy didn't, our gal, our gal didn't win. Call her what she is, our guy. Our guy didn't win. <laughs> our pantsuit didn't. Pants didn't win. And we were upset. 
We were really upset. And we're like, how can we even do comedy right now when we're this emotional? Plus, it's San Diego. They talk about the wall coming. There are a lot of Mexicans down there. There are sure. retired people who are probably Trump supporters. There are military people who at the time were Trump supporters. We're yeah. like, hold on a second here. This might be like really tough. So that first weekend is crazy and emotional. And we captured it on this Audio. is like what America is going through right now. Then what happened was over the course of the next 13 months is probably the craziest year that I can remember in American history. Uh, yeah, I think so. Do you agree? Uh-huh. Yeah. So also, we d- also a year where people, because of this dumb system that we have set up, these echo chambers that we have set up, people just retreated into their bubbles. Super liberal people were like, I'm only going to watch MSNBC because I'm angry. I am only going to hang out in my liberal town because I don't even want to see a conservative person. And conservatives were like, we're going to only listen to Fox News. Everything's fake news and I'm only going to listen to this. And everyone retreated. But as comedians, we're like, you get the call. You You got to go go. do your stand up. So here's the states we went to over the course of the next year. We went to Oklahoma. We went to Texas. We went to Missouri. We went to Kansas. We went to Indiana. We went to Wisconsin and Madison. Went to Colorado. We went to Oregon and we went to California, all throughout California. There's diversity right there. There is some diversity. Some purple states, some blue states, a bunch of red states, blue cities and red states, red cities and red states. It was just all over the place. So, like, here we were trying to make sense of what was happening to our poor country while this year is going on and trying to write comedy about it and trying to bring people together. So it winds up being this incredible timestamp of this. So it's called Sklars and Stripes. Nice. And we take, we took six minutes of stand up from each city, the most universal that we felt like really worked and made an album too. And it's called Sklars and Stripes, the tour tapes. So on April 5th, it's available now for pre-order on Audible. You oh. can like get it right now if you go to Audible. If you're a comedy fan, I'm, I'm going to say if you're listening to this podcast, you are a comedy fan. Yes. If you are a comedy fan, this will speak directly to you. If, if you've ever wanted to know what is it like to go on the road with comedians and do a weekend with them. If you ever are like, I want to know what it's like. I want to hear a joke develop from nothing into a joke or a bit. You get to see it happen over and over again. And you get to learn about these cities. I swear to God, if you listen to our thing and you go to any one of these cities, You'll be like, we give I you a pathway of things to do. Yeah, you're like, I got to go there. I got to go there. I got to go here that they went very to. Very cool. And, yeah, so Sklars and Stripes, we're very excited about that. And so. then a comedy, and so the album comes out of that too. So that's how we have basically two albums coming out, maybe within six months, which is insane because we wrote – we wrote 120 minutes of stand-up just on that tour for those cities. Sure. Now, not all of it can apply to everyone, but we found what we thought was the best 63 minutes that we thought would apply and be more universal. Some of it we can put into our act right now. We some, did of some of it, like uh, last night. Yeah, I, I noticed. It, it was. Uh, I don't want to. I'm sure you're going to do that the next couple shows sure, this we week. Will. I don't want to blow what you were saying, but there yeah. was like, some really good local references specific to. Acme, yes. right? Well, yeah. Well, what's so cool is that, you know, we got in the habit of doing this uh, with our producer and loving that feeling of creating new stuff and not just starting in on our material and, and really trying to develop material so that now the documentary is over, but we still are trying to do it here in Minneapolis for this city, partially because if we ever get to do this, we think it would be an interesting TV show as for well. For sure. It'd be great on Netflix or Amazon or something like that. So yeah. we're like, if we ever get the opportunity, I'm not saying we're going to, but if we ever do, I would love to do it here in Minneapolis. Because the other thing that you get to do, which is great, is you get to show people these clubs that we come to and they get a chance to see like to to watch to actually see this club i know it was on last comic standing and stuff like that but but to see this club filmed packed Mm -hmm. crowds laughing Mm -hmm. it shows you what comedy is it shows you what live comedy can be and what it is most nights for most people and it reminds people oh yeah i haven't seen comedy in a while i should go see comedy again so it's cool i don't remember which one of you i saw instagram picture from uh, in the green room, yeah, Jay in, in the green room, black and white. I took a black. Holy and white. shit, that I looked like it should cool? be in a museum. I know. I so I stood like, up on the how chair. How the hell does it he look so cool chair. back there? Um, God bless that's our Instagram. The, that's account. our Instagram filter. But God bless that. I stood up on the chair. Jay was just running through our set as we were trying to figure out what it was, and I was like, okay, this is a great moment. Yeah, I backstage. didn't even know he took the picture. It's like this is a great moment backstage. I'm going to try and get up here and capture it in black and white. I was like, this is what it is to be on the road. This is a moment. Yeah, and so I love showing that to our fans. Like. 
like, hey, this is us getting ready for this. This is us, you know, really getting excited about it. And we love to let people know, hey, there's 50 tickets left. There's 60 tickets left. You've got to go get your tickets before it sells out, which in a city like this is awesome. Yeah, and we uh, talked, or you were talking briefly before we started, that there's a uh, Minnesota slash countrywide slash worldwide celeb named Harmar Superstar that might be helping you sell some tickets here. God, I love Harmar is... He's so funny and he's so talented. Great singer, great entertainer. His shows, if you've ever been to one of his shows, are like hilarious and brilliant. And he's got this silky smooth, beautiful voice. Mm-hmm. So he always often says he looks like John Lovitz's our animated character, the critic meets Ron Jeremy. <laughs> so he's Ron Lovitz, uh, but with like Sam Cooke's voice. I mean, he's got this unbelievable. Yeah, he's doing a Sam Cooke show now that's touring. That's oh, unbelievable. Yes. So yeah, I seen... put it out there last. That's right. I put it out there last week. Hey, Minneapolis, last night. or oh, last, last week. Oh, that, yeah. Hey, Minneapolis, were coming, and he shouted back at me on Twitter. Yo, can't wait to see you guys. Can't wait to see you. I'm hanging out. And I was like, where are we going? When are you hanging? And he came to the show last night, which was great. And then I was telling all of his people to come. I remember I was, I, was uh, I saw him at the show last night. I was telling my wife, I was like, Harmar Superstar is going to be at the show. He had just walked by him outside. And uh, she's like, is he in a, is he, that's a band, right? I went, eh, kind of, yeah, sort of. Right. One guy, but yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh, I said, you know, he I said, maybe this was on your radar a few years ago. It made some of the local papers and news and stuff because he brought back Macaulay Culkin to Minnesota to celebrate wow. Christmas. That's, Macaulay Culkin just called out a wrestler. Yeah, Macaulay like, Culkin wants to be on the WWE, wants to fight. Like The Rock called I for saw a that celebrity headline. fight. He, the Rock called for a celebrity fight. In the next WWE, and he called out a wrestler. Yeah, not, I think Macaulay Culkin called the. I'm like, you better wrestle this guy, or he's going to burn down your apartment. Which he'll he burn do. down his apartment. He'll burn down everyone's. <laughs> Whatever. Apartment. He might just inflict the pain on himself. <laughs> right. By the way, Home Alone still ha- holds up. My kid loves it. My son loves that movie, and I'm like, why? Because the kids win. That's why that movie kids love it because the kids beat the adults, and that's in their dreams. That's what they want. All they want to do. Is and then what's so funny is that the kid Macaulay Culkin. Really, in some ways, metaphorically, defeated the defeated adult. Defeated the adult, Macaulay Culkin, because you think about what his life has become. <laughs> That's a great point. That's fantastic. That is a great, actually, that's a great way to segue into. I want to talk about some, uh, more about the show last night. Yeah. Specifically, my wife's impressions of the show. I oh, I want to hear what she thought. Yes. She was not impressed. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> and you, you nailed notes. it. No. Oh, God. I, I have it right here. I wrote down on my notebook here, Ashley's observations. Now, you nice. were incredibly high when you wrote these down. I just want to just note that to the public, so these might not be her actual or observations. Coherent. That is not he true. Wrote, he wrote, we need more cheese. <laughs> How also, is that an observation? He about also our attributes three of these comments to a mythical gibbon that was in his backseat. <laughs> and, and he said Cosby was great. What? Why? No. What? No, stop praising Cosby. Legend. Uh, Where is he on. now? Um, What'd she say? These actually, uh, I had her go over these again this morning just okay, to make great. sure I had them correct. Love it. Uh, first of all, she goes, I don't know why I noticed this. And she goes, she was very proud of saying, I bet you didn't notice this. <laughs> Randy stands closer to the audience. Ooh, I didn't notice that. Is that a thing? I don't know. She no. wants to know if that's a thing. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. But maybe it is. Maybe yeah. psychologically it's a thing. Maybe deep down underneath I want I, I want to be closer to the audience. Mm, Jay, a little more standoffish. That's a great thing to notice. I've never noticed Thank that. Thank you. Great Ashley observation. Okay. All right. So, okay. It's good, good. Solid. It's fair enough. Uh, then this one I thought was really interesting. She said, I bet their wives have to get along with each other. Mm. Yeah. 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 I they, mean, what's funny is that we spend so much time together on the road and working together, and our kids are at different stages, and their lives are very full. So when we're not performing or we're not working together, we tend to just retreat into our own lives for a bit of a break from each other, too. Also, since we live in different communities in L.A., you we do. have our own communities. Okay. Like, again, you build those up through your kids. So I have, like, my friends that I live that are in my neighborhood and that are friends with my kids and parents of kids that my friends are, my kids are friends with. So we do a bunch of stuff with them, and especially if we're traveling a lot, we do then tend to just stay away from each other on the weekends, <laughs> which is crazy. But our wives do get along, and, yeah, it's a nice thing. They kind of have to because of how intertwined we are. Yeah. Our lives are intertwined. But I love. I knew that's a good observation. That's a wife observation that she would be be thinking of that relationship. Mm -hmm. Of course, Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, she gets it. That's good. That's good. Could be feuding. Put it that way. Yeah. And then she says. And then she said, 
You know, I I really like them. I think I'd even like them more not doing prepared material and just talking. And I said, like like a podcast? Uh, is that what you're person? talking about? You mean like, the thing that your husband does? Like the thing that I host and like that they host several yeah. podcasts? I said, yeah, I, I think you're right. They're really good at that. We thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like we definitely get a chance to do that. In the, you know, when we do Dump People Town, we don't prepare at all for our podcast, Dump People Town. We are just show up, and it's like our observations on the world and based on material that's just coming at us in the moment. Yeah, I mean, we really, really enjoy doing that stuff. I mean, writing jokes is something we love to do, so preparing that material and making sure that it's... We leave it loose enough that there can be moments because we improvise a lot mm-hmm. within the set. Like whenever we act something out, there's always a moment where it could go in many different directions. We just know where it's got to end up. So we try and put those moments of realness in. But there. there's there are two of us on stage, and if we didn't prepare at all, it would it would be a mess. There'd be moments of like, well, wait a minute, what are we doing right now? Sure, 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 sure. But that's cool. I like that she said that. And that's uh, that'll close the chapter of Ashley's observations. Thank you, Ashley. Did she have fun? Did she enjoy it? Did she laugh? Yes. Okay. Yes. Good. Yeah. Thank oh, her. for sure. All right. Okay. Yeah. She was. La- In fact, I wish I could remember. We were sitting. Nobody can see this. Uh, those two seats right there. So okay. stage right. Oh, really? Right by the pole over there. Yeah, right in front of the pole. Nice. Great. It's a beautiful seats. shot. Uh, I think they're eighty-two and eighty-three. Beautiful. Perfect. And there, I don't remember. I wish I could remember what the joke was. One of you said something, and she was the first one to laugh. And you oh, guys, great. even one of you, even glanced over. So like, there's love. where it's coming from. Thank there's where that laugh's much. coming from. I thank love you. That. Uh-huh. That's so, great. Yes. I love it. I mean, the lights are so bright usually in a show you that can't you, see anybody. you can maybe just get some shapes of people, sure. you know. But like, you can't really make them out, and people will be like, "You stared at me the whole show," and I'm like, "No, I did not. We did not. No, we didn't, we didn't know. It. Just maybe a silhouette. But if you hear a sound, you do kind of seek it out. That's true." I figured. I figured. Uh, I want to talk about. Let's see. Oh, two nights ago, in in in, uh, in advance of knowing knowing I was going to come talk to you guys, I rented Poop Talk. Yes. Thank you. What'd yes. You, what'd you think of that? Well, I mean, it was four ninety nine. Can we work something out? Yeah. Uh, I guess. We what do we owe you? Five bucks. We owe you five bucks. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. We'll give it back to you. We can get that. We'll get your money back. We'll work on that. It was really good, and I'm trying really hard to share it with everybody that I know Thank would you. appreciate it. And so that was a documentary that we did about poop. It was a documentary about poop, and our friend, uh, filmmaker Aaron Feldman, guy we knew from really growing up. I mean, we knew him from camp. camp Fourteen years old. He's a filmmaker and really talented. He said uh, two years ago he we went to lunch with him and we were just you know shooting the shit with him and just trying to like say well, what's going on and and he said all right I have a project and he pulled out like a deck okay basically a you know packet of information he said I want to do a documentary about the history of pooping and I want you guys to help me make it. And we were like, no, uh, no, 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 thanks. Did we you said, go, who's turned this down already? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just we're like, I, I don't think we can do this. I don't think we're the ones to do this. And he said, we said, no, thanks. He said, okay. Very listen, wisely he said this. Just think about it over the weekend. This is on a Friday. He said, think about it over the weekend. Talk amongst yourselves and come back on Monday and tell me, is there any version of what I just showed you? Is there any version that you guys would do? And if so, and tell what me would what it, be, it is. Yeah. What would it be? And I'll see if it's something that I want to do too. And let's talk on Monday. So we did over the weekend. We're like, man, what if this? <laughs> what if we're it's terrible and we make a sh- pun intended a shitty movie, right. a shitty movie about shit? That would be bad. terrible. You don't want to make anything that's bad. And we're like, what if we can't do this and we do it wrong? Two, what if it's actually big what if it's the thing that we're known for then we'll be the shit guys i don't know if we want i don't know that doesn't really jive up with the other stuff that we do right. unless we make a really specific movie and we said okay what's the only version of this we would make if we can get our funny friends people we respect comedically to come in and talk open and honestly about it we know they'll be funny about why is this something we all do but no one wants to talk about and from a comedian's perspective we can start to talk to comedians like what is it that allows comedians in some ways to talk about it and regular people not to and or as a comedian do you shy away from it because it's too easy like yeah. what were the things we were the, nervous about well, yeah like go through our own maybe experience with this guy bringing this topic to us and how we felt about it. So we started to like say, if we could get some people together to do this, how would you be, would you be interested in making that kind of movie? Cause we don't want to make a basic, easy, obvious movie about like with a bunch of crap shit jokes in it. Sure. And he was like, 
yes, that's what I want to do. Let's make that movie. So we started contacting people like Nikki Glaser and, and Stone Street and Aisha Tyler and Nick Swardson and Well, really, we first started with Jordan Rubin. Jordan Rubin, who told the story about how Nick Swardson, he may have cleaned up Nick Swardson's poop in his kitchen. And then we were like, okay, we got to talk to Nick and get his half of the story. And Nick was like, it's 100% true. <laughs> and what Nick offered up was just, I mean, he was so funny. We went to his house and he gave his half of the story. We had Jordan's half of the story. We knew that was going to play really well. Steve Agee, Brendan oh, Small. Oh, he's so, Steve Agee's so, so great. Steve Agee's discomfort. He's so good. He's so good. His discomfort oh, makes me laugh yes. so hard every time. The second yes. I see him and he's it's like, like oh, it feels so good. Jonah Ray, Jonah Ray is so euphoric about, he says in the movie, it's called number two because it's the second best thing you can do with your body. And I'm like, that is brilliant. So. I- Everyone. Pete Holmes. Pete Holmes was amazing yes. and really spoke about the philosophy. He was like basically the philosopher of the mm-hmm. whole thing, and he spoke very spiritually about the whole enterprise. Kumail, this is before the big sick. He he did Crazy, it with right? us, and so like really cool that he was a part of this movie too. So it's there was a moment where he was at the Oscars, and I was like, "Is this for poop talks for the big sick?" <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, no, but, the, but so please mention it. Please, please mention. It. <laughs> well, look, eighty six on Rotten Tomatoes. That's all I'm going to say. Eighty six. Damn right. That's pretty good. But you know, Rob. Cordry was in it and he was great. Paul Shear. Paul Shear is Lauren in it. Lehman, Jamie Lee. I mean, yeah. it, the the list goes on. It's an eclectic mix. It's not. Well, it's Dr. Drew and Adam, Adam Carolla. Carolla. Mm-hmm. You can get them both on talking about it and they both spoke very intelligently but in different ways. Like, there are so many people that we wish, like, we had no budget for this film and we only had a couple days to shoot. Like, we went and just did Tom Segura and Christina Pazitsky's uh, podcast. and Your mom's house. And they talk about pooping all the time all the time, all the time. Yes, and we were do. like oh my god we <laughs> how do we, sh- we not have you guys on this movie and so that would have been interview them together would have been hilarious like there's just we missed on a lot of people just because we just didn't have the resources and the time but i think we got an interesting collection what it was was a 70 minute really fun documentary that really pushes the boundaries of like what what can how do we deal with a difficult subject to talk about is that i want to get your assessment of it well, yeah, do, you we, do you think that was our goal? Did we get that? Absolutely. Of- Absolutely. I want to tell you that I had a, uh, when I was pitching the idea of watching it to my wife the other night, uh. and I gave her the title, the look on her face was, mm, no, no thanks. Mm. And I, then I went, it's only about 70 minutes long. She was like, I'm in. Okay. Yeah. That makes it okay, better. Nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Did and- she laugh? Yes. Great. Oh, hard, hard. I mean, Brad Williams' story. I posted about it on uh, Twitter and went to Facebook or whatever, and I was saying about how the uh, Swartzen's story, I was hurting. I was laughing so hard. Then she uh, posted on my Facebook. Brad Williams was her favorite. And, so, and Kira Sultanovich. Her story about, about leaving Russia. Russia. Oh, my God, yes. I was like, if Meryl Streep played her mom in the scene of that moment from her <laughs> yeah, life, that would be the scene that would be playing at the Oscars. Yes, that would be the one. And they'd yes, take it right up to the point yes. where she squats down. Okay, so we're not going to give any more. We're just going to tell you you got to listen to this. Yes. But it's like os- an Oscar-worthy life moment. Uh-huh. That if you streeped it, if you threw Streep in there, it's an Oscar. I mean, and Brad Williams wasn't even someone we asked to be a part of it. We were just filming at the Improv, who graciously let us film there for very little money because it's all we could afford. And he was there at the Improv, like, I think, doing a podcast or meeting someone there or something like that. And he came over. He said, what are you doing? And we said, we're making a movie about poop. Do you have a story? And he's like, I have the story. And we were like, can you hang out for 10 minutes and then tell the story? He said, of course. And he proceeds to tell what I consider to be, and like your wife, the centerpiece story of the movie. So and he good. wasn't even going to be in it. And like... Those are the moments where we say we're so grateful to be in this community of comedians. Yeah. I don't think in anyone else's hands this movie could have been what this movie became, which is an honest and thoughtful exploration that is very funny about a subject that most people don't want to talk about. But it always gets people talking and sharing their horrific stories. It makes people feel better. It's changed my attitudes towards how I do it and if I'm comfortable doing it in public places. Yeah. It's completely changed my attitude towards it. They're crazy. It, like we get into like who like why we don't have bidets in America. Like who how did the bidet lobby get cr- like got crushed by <laughs> it's like some, the, it's like the electric car in the eighties. Yeah. So <laughs> who killed the bidet? Who killed the bidet? Who killed the bidet? There's your next doc. Who, who killed, killed the bidet? The bidet? <laughs> uh but it really was like it, it was That's a so fascinating thing and I think it is the kind of thing again I mean we are we're tending to make things right now that comedy fans will really enjoy 
I think it's the kind of thing, much like the aristocrats, because it has a little bit of that feel to it. I think it's the kind of thing that will grow by word of mouth. Like you saw it and you liked it and you want to share it with mm-hmm. people in your life who you think would also like yes, it. And then absolutely. they will do the same, I think. Because it's, I mean, when's the last time you watched a 70-minute movie and laughed like 10 to 15 times hard? No, uh, a, a funny documentary is right. just okay. not, not, I mean, let's not be honest, that's not a normal thing. Not a normal thing. Yeah. Know. They're more and more focused on the information and yeah. getting a story other people don't sure. know. Or something yeah. so depressingly horrible that you're like, I have to watch this because it's my duty as a citizen of the world, but oh my God, I want to slip my wrist. Yeah, I don't remember laughing. What was the one about the killer whales? I, I never laughed. No, Not fish. 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 Yeah, fish. Well, never didn't laugh funny. once. Although it did have a couple of hilarious. It was pretty, <laughs> there are a couple. Did Just I like, miss them? No. <laughs> Uh, did you see that uh, uh, BuzzFeed just had an article it was this week about uh, this ties along with the poop talk yeah. about people that are using not disposable wipes but reusable like cloth? Oh wow! Keeping that in their in their no in their bathroom no. where they they don't use it for number two necessarily just to dab off number one oh, collect wow. them wash them. Oh, it's like an adult diaper. Yeah, this is like. Yeah, reusable diapers, uh, like when when those parents come at you and you're like, look, we're all natural and we use reusable diapers. I'm like, who are you people? That's disgusting. I can't even like some things are meant to be tossed and thrown away. But I do give them credit. I think if you're not doing poop, I think you can no, do Someone that. told us at a at a screening of the movie about it's very big in London is like a poop knife. Which is if your pipes aren't good in your thing, that if you particularly have a large, but you cut it up into small, and you put that, at, you put it behind your toilet like a plunger. And I was like, "What do you hang it on? What do you put that in? Like is it a Cutco thing? I don't even know. Like how do you do? You sharpen it? Like a door to door salesman sells it to you? Your poop knife? I want that to be if like family heirloom. It's <laughs> handed down. Handed, I bequeath you my poop knife. If that was the scene in for, Pulp for, Fiction where Christopher Walken, instead of a watch, watch, gives him a poop knife, I shove this up my ass. How inappropriate was that speech? It up my ass. And so. your grandfather before him. Just, <laughs> uh, look at this watch. It's oh so my great. god, it's so great. It's oh so intense. God. I like got caught up with watching Deer Hunter, like started at eleven thirty on a weeknight, you know, where I knew I had to be up at six the next morning to wake up with the kids and I'm like, God damn it, Deer Hunter. Mm-hmm. Like the wedding scene is forty five minutes of them just dancing. I'm like, Yeah, that's a scene. That's just the whole thing is Robert De Niro just watching Christopher Walken dance and while he drinks uncomfortably in the corner. I'm like, okay, you felt you saw fit to make that like a thirty minute scene. All right. <laughs> Crazy. Go for it. I uh, I also don't want to spoil the, um, the uh, this part of your act, but last night when you bring up the Karate Kid, yes. that stuff is, oh my God, I mean, we're about the same age. Yeah. Oh God, that... I mean, it's... It is I really can just, connect with that. It's Thank just you. worn out of showing our kids the bit. The conceit is that it's showing our kids the movies that we used to watch or just feeling like when is it appropriate to show them a movie that we like when we were kids. Yeah, and, and like Jay said earlier, the... Uh, Home Alone, yeah, stands up. It does stand up for kids. Yeah. I mean, is it the best movie ever? No, but I mean, kids kids like it. Some movies stand up. Some like the original Bad News Bears. You can't really show that to your kids, but that's can't because there's like some n bombs and some other weird things in it. But it is so good. It's so good. Like you, fat shaming. We don't do that anymore. Don't fat shame anymore. The fact that Buttermaker drives up. Walter Matthau drives up to the practice, takes out a beer, unscrews more liquor, and pours it in, in the, the beer, beer can. <laughs> yeah. Like, the beer wasn't enough for him in the morning. He had to put more liquor in it. That, to me, just a down that out. tells you everything you need to know about this guy. Because a guy who unscrews liquor and pours it into his beer has a lot of problems. That's like the one way of saying he's got a lot of problems. That's Without sure. saying too much. And then the guy, the coach of the Yankees, who's... Uh, Vic with, Morrow, Vic who died Morrow. in a bizarre, like, helicopter. Uh, with... Uh, Apocalypse Now, right? Or was that him or no? Maybe. Uh, maybe. So I'm not sure. But Vic Morrow, who played uh, who played the manager of the Yankees, he, before the championship game where they play the Bears, he comes in the dugout and it's his like moment to, to give, give the fiery speech to like fire up his team. Yeah, yeah. And he plays the whole speech down. He does not rant and rave. He just plays it so low. He's like, if you lose this game. 
It will haunt you. Like he just, he gets in their skin in the most subtle way. And I'm like, what a brilliant choice of an actor. This isn't even the lead guy. Right. This isn't even, he's like a secondary character in this film. And he's carrying so much in this moment. And that's why that movie is about, you know, it's like what we have tried to find within sports, which is the human funny side. That was finding the human side of Little League sports. And they nailed it. They, as a de- parent now who coaches like my son's teams, they nailed it. Oh, you do? I coach. I coach my son's uh, baseball team. You should, you should tell this story. I'm uh, still looking up. Vic what Moreau, what what so age is that? He's nine. Okay. He's nine. Plays baseball, and you know he's a decent athlete. You, they're already separating between kids who's like are super good athletes and really care and practice all the time or parents drive it in them. So we were playing against this team. He was only seven uh, at the time. And the dad who, a dad of twins on the other team, twin boys who were both great, uh, was yelling at his kids, yelling at all the kids on their team was insane on the other, on the other, from the other dugout. And I'm like, on the, this is me coaching from my dugout. I'm talking to my friend in New York because I hadn't talked to her in a while. And I was like, this guy, there's a guy over there and he's really yelling at these kids. And I'm like, I'm going to say something to him. And she's like, you should. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to say something to him. She's like, yeah, I think you should. And I'm like, oh, I'm definitely saying something. She's like, why are you still on the phone with me? And why are you not talking to him? I'm like, because I'm terrified. Because <laughs> the dude is like a little bit older, but like roided out, kind of roided up dude, like personal trainer dude. Okay. And he is very clearly has anger issues and he's yelling at his kids. And I'm like, it's not appropriate. I cannot handle this the way he's talking to these kids because we had coaches when we were growing up who were like that with us and I hated it. And so I don't want my kids even exposed to that BS. Yeah. So I inning ends and I make a beeline. I'm on the third base side. I cut straight across the mound, straight over to this dude. And I'm like, hey, bro, what's up? I got to talk to you. Hey, bro. Like. Words you never I've never used said. Hey, bro, ever. Have I ever said, hey, bro? Yeah. Like, even like. To I, your own bro. No. I was like, <laughs> never. I, what am I at a Sublime concert? Like, hey, bro. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, bro, I got to talk to you for a second. And he spins around and he's like, oh, yeah, I got to talk to you first. Uh oh. And Whoa. I was like, it's Whoa. on. It's on. It's on. Never been in a fight in my life. When Randy and I used to fight when we were kids, we would like hit each other in like the meaty part of our backs. Like we wouldn't even really punch each other. We would just do it to get aggression out and then we'd be done with it. So Mm -hmm. I've never even been punched in the face. I've never punched anyone in the face. I don't know how to do it. I'm like, I cannot, I came over here to like make a point and I cannot get my ass kicked in front of my kid. No, no. Like, or in front of anyone, let alone my own nine year old son. (laughs) Who's now like, now it's like a bit of a thing. So my, like in that moment, what rose up in me was a need to be loud enough to let everyone know that something might happen so that they can step in and save me. Good call. So I'm like, oh, yeah, what do you got to say? Like, so loud. <laughs> what do you want to say to me? So, so loud. People yeah. start looking. And he's like, I love it when you and your brother fill in for Jim Rome on the radio. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and I was like, keep up the good coaching. You're doing, you're doing a great job. Hey, if you want to yell at some of our kids, yell at some of our kids. They're, they're, they're loafing out in right field. If you want to hit a kid, hit a kid. Out for it. Uh, no, do not do that. I did not uh, say Vic that. Morrow, accidental decapitation. <gasps> Ooh. Because of He's shooting a movie and a helicopter came down and cut his head off. <laughs> accidental decapitation. Well, usually, yeah. You know who his daughter was? Who? Jennifer Jason Lee. Is Jennifer Jason Lee. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. They were Vic, estranged. Vic Morrow, unbelievable performance. But anyway, so... I I really I really can relate to that, and that's a story that Randy and I have told before, and we just haven't cracked the code on how to tell that how to one. Tell on stage. that on stage because it's great, but I kind of just stand there and watch it all. We're like, how do I get involved in that? So a little I uh, think, act it out. I know, I know. We there might be some that. I think we got to we got to get at some of the more universal truths of the moment, like of who this guy was and what type of person he was and what type of people coach and what type of people get involved yeah. like he had a story about his, at his gymnastics thing there was like a woman who who ran the gymnastics my daughter's gym. my daughter does gymnastics and now is into pretty heavy competitive my youngest daughter heavy competitive gymnastics like we're going to the state competition next weekend oh wow in, in like costa mesa where she's gonna do it and there's some like pretty aggro gymnastic parents like put it this way like when the national anthem comes on i definitely either kneel or hold up a black power fist just because i'm like i'm a comedian 
I am a contrarian, and we don't need to be that jingoistic, everybody. I'm, I'm a little upset with what's going on. I'm not that happy with America right now, and I need to voice my displeasure at my daughter's gymnastics competition. Perfect. Right? Perfect. Uh, time and place, guys. There's a time and place, and that is the time and the place. So there was a woman who ran a gym, and she just represents everything I hate about like, people taking themselves too seriously and the competitive nature of, of these sports when they don't need to be. By the yeah. way, you can be very competitive and actually very cool too. You can really expect a lot out of your kids and not be a dick. Like there, there, there are ways to do it. There isn't just one pathway. That's what I've learned. Sure. So uh, one of the parents who had an older daughter who was just there watching the younger daughter who was doing it was the older daughter was really sweet and a little flighty. And during the national anthem, she was just kind of like looking off. And you know, her name's Coco. She was just kind of looking off and not really paying attention. And this. Bitch, this woman who ran the gym, who was dressed in a pirate's outfit, by the way, for no reason. It wasn't Halloween. Just dressed like a pirate. Not Andrew McCutcheon. Not, you know, Omar Marino. If we're going to Willie Star- Pop Stargell, right? Not the Cobra, Dave Parker. Kat no, not Kat Tocolvi. Not, not John, John Candelaria. Candelaria. <laughs> she came over. Andy Vince, like. She came nice. over and ripped the shit out of this kid like. Why aren't you paying attention? This is the flag, and you put your hand over your heart and do that, like giving a discipline lesson to the parent. I'm like, you better not ever step to me because I will roast the shit out of you in front of, and your fucking pirate patch in front of everybody here. I was like, I want you to come to me. Step I want, to me. Please. <laughs> step I, I, to me. I'm begging you so I can embarrass you in front of everybody. And that's, of course, the competitive nature of me out in the world. But, like, that happens. Yeah, yeah. You but know? you're like, we, we judge the roast battle in L.A. Like, right. you, you can't step to me and win. I am a comedian. If you want to get into I a do, war of words, I will you, embarrass you. Are you are going to lose and you're going to be made Hecklers try terrible. to come at us and they lose. That's that's it. You are going to get sunk. You're going to get dropped. Yeah. Verbally dropped. And so it's, I just was like, I, you know, I get, I have no patience for it, for like injustice happening out and certainly in the gymnastics world. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank God. Gymnastics vigilante. That could be your new. Gymnastics vigilante. <laughs> Randy Sklar, gymnastics vigilante. That's right. Well, I wish your daughter luck next weekend. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really. Do you have a, uh, do you have a, uh, like mat and stuff all in the house? Does no, she practice in the she, house? No, just, she does like 10 hours a week, like at a gym, which is a lot two and a half hours a day four days a week and yeah. she's she's great i mean i'm really fascinated i'm trying not to push her you know i do expect a lot out of her because i know she can can be great and but i'm trying to just let her be the one to motivate herself i'm like i'm not going to push you you but you motivate yourself to to get yourself to that spot and she's done great i mean she comes what i love is there's a little bit of she likes she likes winning and i'm like that's a good thing yeah then if you do that you know what you need to do to get there yeah there was a moment like like we're just now getting into sports where like they actually keep score and they care about who wins and loses and it counts and all that stuff and my we lost like a one point basketball game cuz some kid on our team missed the layup at the end but like my son had played a great game and he was so mad about losing he was really mad like I couldn't console him and I was trying to hug him and say it's okay and he was just wouldn't wasn't having it didn't want to talk to me he was really pissed and I was so happy about that in a moment not because he was pissed he wasn't being a poor sport he wasn't throwing stuff around he was just angry about the loss and I'm like I love that you care enough that you're upset I love that. Yeah. I want to – it's a good like fire. Like if we didn't give book. a shit about stuff that really meant something to us and you had like a bad set of comedy, you wouldn't go back and be like, what did we do wrong in that equation? Now, you might not have done anything wrong. It might have just been the setup or the room or the audience or whatever. Right. But you have to constantly grow and get better. You have to keep evolving or else you're just going to stay and do the exact same act. And I'm sure you've seen many of those comedians over time who just are doing the same thing they've done the last 15 years. For sure. And yeah. it's very disappointing. Yeah, it's a bummer. Very disappointing. When you said that uh, you're coaching nine-year-olds, it, uh, yesterday I was uh, working with someone that went to the same high school as me, a little bit younger, and was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I played baseball there. You played baseball too, didn't you? What position did you play? And I went, uh, 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 because immediately brought back the, yeah, I, I was on the team. I sucked. I barely <laughs> played. I don't know how to answer this. Yeah, I was everything. I, I was, was every player. I, I was a know. utility guy. Yeah. I filled in a lot. I... I let the team cheer I going. Dra- I dragged the mound a little bit. I was number one in passion. Yeah, you were number one. Still. Still <laughs> yeah, number, number one in passion. Number sure. one in passion. 
Why do we have to go there? I, I Sorry. was on the team. You all were right? on the team. I yes. was on the team. You did it. And you refused to stand for the national anthem. <laughs> 25 years before I everybody else. I can't believe else. you were so ahead of your time. You were fighting the right fight. You were <laughs> on the right side of history. Thank you. Let me, uh, uh, yeah, let's do a little, a little bit more. I have a couple more questions for sure, you. As, you know, you, I, you guys have done, like you mentioned, uh, the Jim filling in for Rome, mm-hmm. being a guest on his show, hosting his show, yeah. all the podcasts and TV stuff you guys have done. Uh, dream come true guests that you've had. I saw a thing like you had Roddy Piper on once before, right before he passed he died. away. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've just listened to a podcast you guys did. I listened to it like a few weeks ago with Bob Costas. Costas was I knew that would be a good one. I mean, he was And it was. All right. So we, when we were in St. Louis, it's going to be released in two weeks for the start of baseball season. Uh, we sat down with Ozzie Smith. Now, you saw our Ozzie Smith story that we do in this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, we were there in December and as part of the Sklars and Stripes tour. And we sat down with Ozzie Smith and did a whole hour and 20 minutes interview with him. And he was incredible. Like, awesome. Amazing. Went so deep in the world of baseball. Like, he was so old school. He was just wonderful to talk to. So that interview was like a dream come true. John Hamm friend from st louis always always amazing on every single podcast will ferrell and adam mckay they were incredible country keegan michael key was just fantastic dumb people town uh you did a show with richard simmons once i mean that interview was insane that was one of the the, one of the last big interviews he did before he quote unquote disappeared he still exists but like he kind of dropped off the face of the earth there was that whole podcast missing richard simmons where like our interview with him was like the last big interview that he did evidence of his existence yes yes. he was crazy yeah all the emotion was right underneath manic he was manic like imagine us doing this interview and then like at several points in this interview we start singing like we're on Broadway and then crying and then just start crying (laughs) one minute later talking about my daughter and I start breaking down I mean like he gold on the ceiling the, the, the emotion was right under the surface for him at all times and you're like oh man you're a guy Oh, and I understood on some level, and I just wish he would have said this. I just wish he would have said this out to the world. My life is hard. What the, my, the the life that I carved out for myself, being this very public person who cares about everybody, and he deeply exhausting, cares about, exhausting. There's a moment where he he needs to say, "I need to take care of myself." If he were to just say that to the world, guys, I'm taking a break. I need to take care of myself. What I realize is I've been taking care of everybody yeah. and I haven't emotionally taken care of myself. I think every person would, would be, have said, let me help. Fine. That's right. And, yeah. those, who, and those who didn't yeah. don't deserve him anyway. That's right. And <laughs> That's people, a good point. Well, those who are like, where are you going? Why are you leaving me? Are being selfish. And then he puts it on them to support him That's just right. a little bit after he's supported them for so long. That's I right. wish he would have said that because yeah. not saying anything leaves open the speculation like, is he being controlled by his maid? It just was so bizarre. We loved him. I, I can't tell you why. This is what I loved about him, and, and it's hard to describe because, you know, as we're trying to create TV shows and projects that last you know this audible project is probably the best thing we've ever done it's coming out in in like we said a month it's coming out on april 5th it's probably the best thing we've ever done we're so proud of it now will this be the thing that gets us to the mass audiences and and really reach the most people probably not but it's something that we're really proud of richard simmons back in the day and he was a very keen person in terms of he was smart about the way he sat, very savvy about how he positioned himself. He was like a waiter, a maitre d at a rest, at like an Italian restaurant. Where at Amalfi or where was it called? Or, uh, Michi, Michi or something. Maybe. He was like at a at a kind of a restaurant where a lot of Hollywood types would come in. And so he had a lot big personality, big there. personality, and I'm sure people loved him. Sure. And he just kind of just grab people gravitated towards him. And he was really into trying to keep fit. And so he opened at the time in California when it was a big deal in the 70s, an ex tiny hole-in-the-wall exercise place in Beverly Hills. He's like, people in Beverly Hills have time. They have the money. women have money. They want to come in and do it. And I know that they will start taking my classes, almost like he was the best soul cycle 
teacher ever that everyone raves about and whatnot. But he had this little aerobics thing that he started doing, and people started to flip out over it. It was like their thing. They're like, I can't miss a class with Richard. He's so funny. Yeah. He's so fun. All he, these people are like telling their friends. Like, so got- suddenly this thing become, and it wasn't like he was doing that so that he could become famous. He literally just wanted to get people fit and make enough money, and he bought this place, and he just wanted to to have it keep going. Eventually, somebody from General, what, General Hospital. Hospital came because he heard about it. Like a producer. A producer had heard about it and said, I got to check this thing out. I heard this guy's great. Sees him and thinks, oh, my God, this guy's got this huge persona. What if we did a storyline on General Hospital where Richard Simmons was on the show? This guy who's this crazy big personality, and we'll have him try and help one of our cast members lose weight, have that be a storyline in this thing. And they got him on the show. That happened? Yes. Yeah. That's how it and happened. Then, and then people loved him. In the same way, like, you know, you see this happen with comedians all the time. Like, why are certain comedians rising to the top? Well, they had this opportunity, and they did great in that opportunity. And then that gave them this opportunity, and then they crushed it there. And then that gave them these opportunities. Same with Richard Simmons. And he did well and got tons of fan mail. And when he was on our podcast— He's talking about the fan—he literally in his Fan mail from 35 years earlier. 35? 40 years. 40 years earlier. He—you could see him start to cry. Where he was visualizing these letters from fans, from women. Yeah, it was 35. People saying, you saved my life. And he starts talking about it. It literally, it's as if he's holding the letter and reading it for the first time. He starts crying. Wild. But the thing about it is he just did one thing really well. And he was the best at it. And he put all his faith in just doing that. And he didn't say, I'm going to do this so that I can get General Hospital. That wasn't his thinking. His thinking was, let me be the best at this that ever. And then he was. And then out of his greatness in that people could see it, they just wanted to put him in things. And then from there, it just ballooned into other stuff. And he became a star. Looking back now, are you surprised that he did so many appearances on Letterman and Stern and everything? I am surprised about the Letterman thing because... He was really hurt by Dave. He really... At least he came at least he explained that i also think there is a little bit of thing in richard what we gathered is that he likes to be the victim he likes to be bit. the victim he likes to be victimized because he can play both sides of it which is poor me i'm a victim you're being a bully and you're being mean to me and then he can also be funny in that position like oh david <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, yeah, david yeah. Uh-huh. stop it david yeah you know, he can play that character, that sort of like shaming schoolmarm kind of a mm-hmm. guy. And then also he's the damsel in distress. He gets to play both of those things. And so there's a they're 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 familiar tropes to him and so he winds up doing them both. Anyway, it the was the biggest bummer I think about him that I think is he made su- his bread and butter, his audience were like these Midwestern housewives. Christian housewives who just wanted to love him as this Asexual, this, right. this thing, just this entity that had no personal life, and I think if they were um, like saw him with another man because he's gay, I, I'm pretty sure he's gay. I think he's gay. Uh, he might be gay. Um, if they saw him with another man, or imagined him having sex with another man, or, or um, see him kiss another man, man, or something, it would be like. You know, not you, my Richard, right. right? Or, or, or it's like when your therapist starts talking about themselves in their own life. You're like, whoa, whoa! You're supposed to be a blank <laughs> slate here. Yeah. I'm worried. About, I'm talking about my problems. How can you be? Doing I, with I don't myself? want to have you in my head and thinking about what you're doing. <laughs> right. That's what I think he. Because so and I think that's actually probably why he went away, is that he couldn't handle not living his life the way he should be living his life. It's a bummer. It's a, oh, the public persona was a bit of a prison for him. Anyway, crazy. And, and he was crazy. obsessed with it, and he loved it. So that was a great episode of our podcast. Uh, those things are – it reminded us how how lucky we are that we get to do a podcast and that people actually listen to it. I mean, podcasts are interviews that go so deep. They're so different than any – I mean, we've, we've done seven pieces of press today or six pieces of press today yeah. for this weekend of shows, and we didn't talk about any of this stuff in this any of those. This is the deepest we've gotten on this podcast. Good. Yeah. That makes me happy to hear. Thank you. That makes me very happy to hear. Um, one more thing I want to ask you guys, because sure. we haven't really... Um, I did, how do I ask this? 
I know that you like on the on Grey's Anatomy years ago. You played conjoined twins, and I think didn't you? I don't think I ever saw, but I read you. You were twins on a cartoon, like the Oblongs, the Oblongs, right? There, yeah. Conjoined yeah. twins yeah. on there. Yep. Now, what I want to ask you is: is have there been such ridiculous twin ideas thrown to you guys that you've been like, absolutely no fucking way? You know, sometimes they'll yeah. be like, yeah, sometimes there'll be commercial stuff will come up, and they're like, okay, you guys are twins at a furniture store and here's the copy and we're like if we see that there is no way we can make this our own thing and it was just played on some stupid 20 thing we're like nope. listen I hate to turn down even the opportunity to make money but no we can't do it we have to be true to our brand which is yes we're twins but we don't want that to be everything and yet it can be this like quiet undercurrent that sh- that that guides where we are but let it not be front and center everything that we do yeah, so. so we yes, there have been a few things that um, I'd say a decent amount of things that we said we would <laughs> decent do. amount. Yeah, I mean, look, we're in the business of we're begging to work all the time. We want to work. <laughs> yeah. That's what you want to do more than anything for a million reasons. So you can make your insurance, so you can keep working, so you get better just through experience. But if it's if we feel like it's uh, lessons, if it's not funny, and if we feel like it's lessons, all this hard work we've put in to try and be unique and not hacky and not the version of ourselves that is super expected that anyone could do, then we're not going to do it. Do pictures exist of you two as children wearing anything Minnesota Twins? No, no, no Minnesota Twins because we're, we're Cardinals fans. And in '87, we'll never forget when you guys ripped our hearts out and Dan Gladden tromp, trampled our trampled all over our dreams. Paul Molitor was he Paul on that team? Kent Herbeck's house. He was of not pies. on that team. He was still a Brewer then. Oh, that's right. Was, and so we beat Paul Molitor as a Brewer. We beat him as a Brewer, Brewer. in '82, but we lost yeah. to Herbeck and. Morris and Kirby Puckett. Kirby Puckett and who else? I mean, Dan Gladden. Dan Gladden. I just remember him crushing our spirit. Here's a weird thing. I work over at, uh, I'm a beer vendor all around town. Twins games, Vikings, Minnesota Wild. Uh, Tomorrow I'll be working at the Minnesota United game. By the way, Minnesota sports is having a tremendous renaissance right now. The T-Wolves are super fun. I believe they are the team of the future. I believe in five years you're going to be, if they can keep these guys, you're going to see the Timberwolves and the 76ers duking it out every year. The Lakers, the Timberwolves, and the 76ers as the teams to be. You can see that, yeah. I would love to see that. Uh, the Twins are good. The Twins are young, and they're good, and they will only continue to get better. Great signing of Lance Lynn. You're, Very happy about that. That's he's a, great a great signing. Great he's going to be He's going to win 17 games, 18 games for you. you uh, and the Vikings will be great. You guys, like we said last night, you guys took Case, got rid of Case Keenum and signed a more expensive Case Keenum. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. You, you got rid of your Mr. Pibb and replaced it with Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I have a uh, soda stream at home. I refer to that as uh, Dr. Pete. That's Dr. the soda Pete. stream. <laughs> <laughs> I love soda stream so much. Soda oh, God, I love it. Um, I was going to say, so uh, I was recently working a Minnesota Wild game, and my buddy has season tickets, and he's like, hey, he goes, check out this picture on my phone. He goes, look who's sitting like at the top of my section. Shows me the and I'm like I have no idea who that is. He's like, look, dude, you know who that is. I said, I don't know who that is, dude. When I tell you who this is, you're gonna be so embarrassed. He goes, that's Kent Herbeck. No way. He's lost. He lost so weight. much weight. No way. Now he just looks like a normal guy. Like Remember when he was gigantic. I could not recognize wow. Kent Herbeck in a picture. It's nice to know that Kent Herbeck lost weight. Now, did Steve Balboni leave lose weight? <laughs> no. From Kansas no. City no, Kansas didn't. City Royals? No, he did not. No. No, he didn't lose weight. But uh, that's amazing. Congratu- Good for Ken Congratulations, Herbeck. Herbeck. Yeah. I, I, I love Ken Herbeck because Ken Herbeck, like Randy and I, has a last name that starts with three consonants. Yeah. SKL is very hard for people to get on. HRB, very difficult. One more thing, guys, I got to ask you about. We need to talk about this is the fucking coolest thing. Oh, yeah. This the is the top, coolest we thing. We got to sign them for those. For, uh, I, I have a Sharpie. All right, if you we'll will do please sign these are cards. Baseball cards made by Tops. They made a limited edition for comedians. And once in a while, it's weird. Ginter and Allen and Ginter. Allen and Ginter. So um, this is a weird thing. Once in a while, and I don't know whether to send this stuff back. I'll get a letter written that looks like it's written by a child, but in my mind, I'm imagining like someone forcing a child to write a letter saying, "I'm a big fan of yours. Can you sign this for me?" All right, they send those cards yes. to my house. And yeah. first of all, I'm like, how do you have my address? That's freaky. 
So that's my first indication that I will not send it back because I don't want them to think that they actually got it to the right house. I'd rather them not know exactly where I live. Yeah. So it's very freaky. I want to be nice and I want to be that person who signs stuff. But Although like, someone came to the show last night and said, I have the, I have a card. Will you, if I mail it to you, will you send it back to me? I said, sure. You said that because you met him, the guy. I met but, the guy and I gave him my address. All right. Smart. He's going to show up at your house and <laughs> chop up your kids. Okay, fantastic. That's a good show. All right. No, anyway, I love that card. That was one of the greatest moments. How for did us. how did you find out that this was happening? So they uh, contacted us and said, "Hey, we'd love to do this. Will you do this with us? And then will you sign a bunch of them? And we'll cut up uh, a Scarborough Country Scarborough Country shirt and put like little pieces of Scarborough Country for the first thousand people who buy the cards and get them in the packs." And yeah, so the he, relic cards. So he came and uh, no, the, they sent a guy, they like sent this a like guy, Russian like guy, a Russian guy who had a briefcase that I think he was handcuffed to, and he, <laughs> he had to verify our signatures, and we had to sign a thousand cards each. in one sitting. It was it was, it was wonderful. So hard, but so wonderful. awesome. Wonderful. I feel bad for nine seventy to one thousand. <laughs> by that point, I'm I was just, just like, scribbling I'm, it out. Just, I don't have the autograph version, but I've seen them on eBay. And uh, it looks like some the pen was kind of run- it was drying yeah, out. Yeah. It was Might out. have been drying out a little. We'll sign these I for you right after this. Today that anything of ours is on eBay. That's and, then, and then the other thing is, uh, like you just said, it was a Scarborough uh, Country T-shirt sure, that is in up, those cards, cut up yes. in those packs. Yeah, is it a shirt that one of you wore? Uh, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I thought a, that was part of it. Yeah, I took yes. a personal he, shirt. He took a shirt that he had and that cut it and we chopped it. That's so freaking cool. As somebody who's collected cards, not so much these days, uh, but, you know, as a kid, I have thousands and thousands. This is the coolest thing ever. It's amazing. It's like arrival. You've arrived. Awesome. Um, I think we did it. Anything else we should be mentioning? No. Just come out to the show. We have some tickets left tonight. Come out to the show. Late show tonight. Late show tomorrow night. Let's sell them out with the great comedy fans who listen to this Check out the Poop Doc if you can. Yeah, it's available on iTunes and Amazon. Google Play, I saw it on. Google Google Play Play as well. And then you may uh, sign up for and pre-order the Audible thing. I think if you're a fan of comedy, you will love it. April 5th, it comes out on audible.com. And I think if you pre-order, you get the you com- get the album for free. Oh, at the end, there we you go. It's a streaming thing for free, so it might be worth it. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you.